Flypaniacs, and welcome back to Flyperbole. I am your host, Steve Jaco, and holy crap, we are talking about a positive Flyers experience right now. I don't even know how to live my life feeling positive about the Flyers. It feels like it's been years. It's been a while, as we would say on this show quite often, in the words of the stained guy, who we also disavow because he sucks, but whatever. Uh, it's a fun thing to say. But joining me to talk about your your fun for once Philadelphia Flyers is the wonderful Madeline Campbell. How are you tonight, Maddie? I'm great. I feel like I'm living in the twilight zone a little bit. I don't know <laughs> what to do with the Flyers being good, but I am not going to ask any questions. Imagine a world where the Philadelphia Flyers average six goals a game. It's crazy. Like, I'm looking at it right now. So the Flyers are 2-0-1 through three games. They've scored 16 goals in three games, which is crazy. And I know they, they got off to a nice start against Pittsburgh last year, but then promptly fell on their faces against the Buffalo Sabres. And it just, it feels different than last year. Like last year, we kind of felt like, okay, this is nice, but it really feels like the tires are going to fall off this guard, which is actually really funny. Now that I think about it, because I did see a car missing a tire driving on the streets of Philadelphia earlier today. Wow! Like, fully driving? Fully driving! Like, I was walking down... I was walking down 12th Street, and I heard this just horrifying, like, screeching noise. I was like, what in God's name is making that noise? What could it possibly be? And I turn, and I see this car that's, like, just way too low and to the left, and it's driving in my direction, too. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And I look down, and it's full axle driving against the street. Oh, my God. Like, no tire. Like, not hubcaps, not, like, a donut, not a flat. There is no tire. Wow. I mean, I respect it in a way, but wow. <laughs> like, I can't imagine anybody doing that unless they're fleeing for their life yeah. or... They really just hated that boot on their car. Yeah, something was going on there. The guy actually pulled up and stopped right in front of, like, where I was walking. And I said, no effing way am I dealing with this. No, <laughs> not a chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Promptly turned left. And I'm like, I, I'm fascinated. I want to know the story. But whatever is going on here, it's, it, it, it can't be good. No, you don't need to get roped into whatever's unfolding there. No, definitely not. I think Matthew Barnaby did that once upon a time to tie that back into hockey. <laughs> if this guy hopefully was more sober than Matthew Barnaby was when this happened. <laughs> at like 7 p.m. on a on a Thursday. Good Lord. But South Philly, you never know what's going to happen. But hopefully the Flyers are not going to be driving without their left front tire anytime soon. It's looking good so far. It doesn't feel like this team just feels fun and it feels like the veteran leadership they brought in over the offseason really helped. And on top of that, last year, such a big factor in this team falling apart was COVID. Half the team got COVID like mid-season and it was also just an infuriating season. You're playing the same teams over and over, back to back, night 
after night, no breaks, no practices. They're getting practices. They're getting breaks. And even better, this team is fully vaccinated against COVID-19. So we're not going to see the same effects that we had last time. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely in a much better spot to rebound from anything they're potentially dealing with. Feeling a lot better about just the general situation, even completely independent of whatever's going on on the ice. Just feeling, yeah, much more stable. Right. Stability is a big thing. I know Chuck Fletcher really concentrated on that in the offseason, the stability. And if we look at some of the new names they brought in, I mean, already they're paying dividends. Like, I did not expect these guys to have impacts like that so quickly. Like, looking at Cam Atkinson, right? Like, on the TNT broadcast or in the Bruins game, they were talking about how Cam Atkinson is, like, out there barking orders at guys. But he's also, like, the friendliest guy in the world, and everybody loves him. Like He's already, like, such a positive force, and he's already a fan favorite. He's played three games. Oh my god, yeah. Everything about him is just so endearing. We, uh... I had to wait for him a little bit for his post-game presser on yesterday. I'm already losing track of the days here, but it's you know that's that's what happens when you're in the middle of the season. Yeah, we're not yeah. in the middle, but you know what I mean. Yeah. In the thick of it, he was the last one to go, and PR came in after that as he was leaving, just to let everybody know, hey, Flyers have Thursday off, no practice, nothing's going on, and he like does a fist bump and walks out like yes. I'm like, same, buddy. That's a mood. That's like how everybody feels when they have a day off work. Like, all right, yeah. It was just too funny. Like, the picture of him, I I guess the Flyers are, are they have a starter jacket that the player of the game wears after the game, and the picture of him wearing that was so great. I love that. Yeah, it was so good. I do have questions. Like, that jacket looks a little small. Like, it looks like it fits him. (laughs) Right, and he's the smallest Flyer, I think, or he's down there. Yeah, how is that going to work if they end up giving it to, like, Travis Sanheim? <laughs> or Risto? Yeah. Like, if Risto Lining gets it, it's just, like, he can fit it, like, over his head, and that's pretty much it. He's going to rip the sleeves off. That would be pretty badass. <laughs> but that also, that looks like a vintage starter jacket. Like, I, I'm the old head on this blog, and I was around in the mid-90s when starter jackets were the rage, and that looks legit. Yeah, I mean, they've got all kinds of weird stuff laying around at the, like, the practice facility and everything, so I'm never surprised by what they're able to dig up there. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so great to see Atkinson come in and make such an impact. Not only does he seem to be making the impact in the locker room, like we all hope, but also on the ice. I mean, he's produced. He's got four points so far, three goals, one assist, shoots every chance he gets. And it doesn't sound like that should work. And his goals have been ridiculous at times. Like his, his goal in the Boston game, where he's basically falling into the net, was very Hartnell Down-esque. <laughs> Yeah, he's been absolutely lights out. But he's he's firing away, and this is like everything we've wanted from the Flyers for years. Like, it just they're fun. They're shooting. They're attacking the net. Like he he doesn't he doesn't turn down a chance to shoot. Absolutely never. I love it. I, like it, he made a great deke on. So he had two goals in that game. The second goal was the like ridiculous like sprawling one. But the first one he had that like great deke, and then he kind of just got it through the wickets on Swayman and. Like, stuff like that just feels like stuff the Flyers haven't been doing. Like, I think Farabee started doing that last year, but... And look, I I love Jake Voracek, right? But Jake Voracek was notorious for turning down shots. Yeah, it's, uh, it feels very fresh. And the other nice thing is, from what I've heard, uh, he's doing pretty well in Columbus. So it's nice that the trade has 
worked out for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I want Jake to do well. Not too well. I don't want him to come and play the Flyers and get a hat trick or something. But I want him to do well. And he's playing with his new buddy, Patrick Laine, who is just embracing the ridiculousness this this year. Where did Laine even find those sunglasses? Oh my god. They're, like, weirdly sort of popular now. Like, I've seen them around, and I have a lot of questions. I saw a lot of people compare his look to when Bill and Ted go to the future and everybody's got like weird sunglasses and dusters and stuff on. Like it's, it's pretty apt. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'm glad to see Patrick Laine looking happy and healthy and Jake Voracek. And I thought that Columbus team was going to be an abject disaster. So to see them even doing anything positive is uh, kind of remarkable. So good for them, but just don't do it against the flyers and don't do better yeah, than the flyers. That's all we need. <laughs> that's all we need. And it's just great though, that the, All the top guys so far have been new guys. It's crazy. So we talk about Atkinson, right? Atkinson's been awesome. He's uh, great on the penalty kill as well as shooting away, which I love. But on top of that, Ryan Ellis, you know, Ryan Ellis was the biggest offseason acquisition by a mile. You got a legitimate top pairing defenseman. What more could you want? And he's looked it so far. He looks calm. He looks confident. When he has the puck, he just... I don't know. I just feel safe and warm when he has the puck back there. And he's got four points himself. He's got one goal and three assists. Yeah, totally. And I I didn't think I was going to be surprised by him at all. I mean, my expectations were pretty high because he's a very good player. And I figured he would just come in and be very good and I would be happy with that. But even just some of the subtle plays he's been making has been above and beyond what I was expecting. He's been wonderful. He has been wonderful. And, you know, there's always, like, the that scary moment where you're like, oh, God, is this guy that we've all hyped up, is he just not going to be what we wanted? And, no, he totally is. Yeah. Isn't it nice? It feels so good. It's a nice change of pace. And uh, just a quick correction on my part. I had said that Cam Atkinson was the guy the TNT crew was talking about barking orders on the ice. I got my note mixed up. It was Ryan Ellis, which makes much more sense. And you could see that with Ryan Ellis. You can see him directing plays. You can see him showing guys around. And he really is a leader on the blue line already. And he's been here like a couple months. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I mean really impossible to overstate how important that is oh yeah i mean that was i think the biggest factor in everything kind of spiraling down to a just horrific result last season was just that lack of leadership on the back end and you know no offense to ivan Provorov, he does what he can but i think they needed somebody a little bit more vocal back there ivan Provorov, much like claude Giroux. i mean not that claude Giroux isn't vocal per se but they do tend to be more lead by example guys guys that aren't necessarily like screaming at guys or anything it's not that ryan ellis is screaming at guys but it just seems like all these guys they brought in are are very vocal are very like they're good communicators and it seemed like the flyers just needed more communication definitely also can we get that printed on a shirt or something ivan provorov he does what he can he does what he can I mean, what he can do a lot of the time is, like, play 25 minutes a night and climb mountains like Rocky, but it's (laughs) intense training. But Ivan Provorov, he does what he can. Poor Provy. Hey, he looks good with Ellis. I'm glad they look great together because the rest of the defense is kind of a question mark. But the, the guy that looks really good back there that I'm actually really pleasantly surprised by is Keith Yandel. I liked the Keith Yandel signing. I didn't love it. I thought it kind of blocked Cam York, but... Man, I look like an idiot so far. 
I look like a total moron because Keith Yandel looks great. I mean, they had the mic on him on TNT the other night and he was just, he didn't shut up. So between him and Travis Konechny, it's just like nonstop talk. Oh, that's so good. I actually, I saw like part of that got posted on Twitter or something, but I didn't get to watch it. And obviously I wasn't watching the broadcast. Was that so good? Having him mic'd up? It was great. It was great. I'd love to see him mic'd up every game and like he's just very active out there and i mean between the stuff like saying thank you to his goaltenders and it just seems again like he's communicating well he's really keeping morale up like he's talk. i think he was talking to braun at one point he's like come on braun let's do it we going we going like he's just really hype and he's a guy who's bringing a lot of positive energy to this team where there was so much negative energy in the past and i mean He's backing it up points-wise, too. He's got five points, all assists, and he looks great. Like, he looks so confident. When he's quarterbacking the power play, oh my god, it is such a palpable difference from the past couple years. Yeah, and I think the the power play thing has been the real difference maker there. I am also pretty pleasantly surprised with him. Like you, I was kind of grumpy about the signing because I... I think Cam York is pretty much NHL ready, or at least would have been fine if they plopped him in in a third pair role. And I just selfishly very wanted to see that. Well, it felt like it was time, too. It felt like it was the appropriate time to slot him into that third pairing, and he could just slide on in. And it's like, all right, cool, it's Cam York time. But, I mean, if Yandel's going to quarterback the power play like this and just keep morale up, like, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm certainly not complaining anymore. And I think a lot of the things I like about Yandel are little things. Like, um, it's hard because there's been so many goals, which is a weird thing to say. So they kind of blend together. But on one of the goals, I think it was in the Seattle game, he had a great steal and then like a long pass down the ice to, I want to say Broussard, I could be completely mixing this up. But like little things like that he's doing... Uh, on the Lawton goal, he had a tremendous setup where he had it. It basically looked like he was icing the puck and the Flyers won the puck battle and then they got a shot away and then Lawton came in and just blasted it home. Like, that's so cool. It's so cool to see like long range plays like that from the Flyers. Yeah, and it's uh, definitely been something that it seemed like they've been kind of lacking. And I'm a big fan of that. So uh, 100% more of it, please. And thank you. Yes, please, thank you, more of that. And then the other really positive guy so far, as far as the new guys go, is Derek Broussard. And Broussard is a lot like Yandel, where he got signed, and you're like, okay, cool, Uh, that's fine. And it didn't really seem like a big deal at the time. But with Kevin Hayes hurt to start the season, and the Flyers lacking a second-line center, Broussard has really stepped up in a huge way, and... Man, he looks awesome. Like, especially with his line mates right now. He's playing with Farabee and Atkinson. And, what are they calling them? The Fab Line right now? Yeah. That's what they're calling them, the Fab Line. They're, I mean, they're fantastic. They're, I guess fabulous is the word to use for them. But they're, they're killing it. They look great. Broussard's got five points. One goal for assist. Derek Broussard? He can't even spell his first name right. I mean, as Kurt would say. <laughs> <laughs> He's been awesome. Like, I, he looks like he fits in perfectly on that second line. Yeah, and I think that one's the the biggest pleasant surprise for me. I mean, like the last couple of seasons, there have been questions about if he's even like, not just a second line center in this league, but just even effective period at the center position. Um, It's been a a rough go the last few years, but 
Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, and I was just hoping that he could, like, stay afloat in this role until Hayes got back. And now it's like, maybe don't break that up. Maybe maybe Kevin is the third line center now. I've seen so much talk about, and I wouldn't mind that for the first like couple weeks of having Kevin Hayes back just to, to ease him back in because coming back from that kind of surgery is, is really tough and it's really tough to acclimate yourself again. I mean, if he's playing like this, yeah, keep it up. I'm really just so surprised by how good they look and hopefully they can keep the momentum going, going into Saturday's matchup with the Florida Panthers look really good so far this season. But I mean, from those guys, everything's been awesome. They're all like, they're amongst the Flyers' top five scorers right now. I think Joel Farabee and those guys right now is the list, and that's that's wild to see. Yeah, it, it's been fun. It's It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't expect that they're going to be able to keep scoring at quite the clip that they're at right now, but I mean, they've been doing a ton of good work, so it's going to be uh, going to be interesting going forward. Oh, yeah, if they kept the scoring up, I'd be shocked. And I don't think you're going to get Boston like that again. I mean, Seattle made a lot of sense, right? Like, just to, well, we'll get into the games in a minute. But, like, Seattle is a team that the Flyers should blow out of the water. I have been personally insulted by all of these projections showing the Kraken to be just as good as the Flyers in the standings. And I know the Kraken play in a a weaker division. But it's still, I, I take it as a personal insult for the city of Philadelphia. And, uh, I will not stand for it. I think that's fair. That Kraken roster sucks. Like they, I don't understand. But they have no business making the playoffs. Absolutely none. But what I, I want to continue talking about the new guys because we, we don't have quite as much tape on the other two notable names. But we'll start with Martin Jones before we get into the trickier subject. Martin Jones, I thought he looked fine. Uh, better than he looked in the preseason. He had uh, three goals allowed on 43 shots, 925 save percentage in that one game. He did what you needed him to do. And and frankly, you can't really blame him for at least two of the goals last night. Yeah, he was very solidly fine. And frankly, that is all that I need from him. Backup goaltender. That's all I need. Be solid. Be fine. Play when Carter Hart needs you to play. Yeah, so last night was a resounding success for him. That's a tough Boston team. Like, I think most people expected the Flyers to kind of get blown away in that game like they did all last season when they played them what felt like 65 times. Yeah. I'm so happy to not have... That's also a breath of fresh air, is playing teams that aren't the Penguins, Bruins, and Islanders. Oh my god, it's so nice. I didn't think it was going to be as nice... As it is, but oh my god, it has been so good. And it's so funny that we played the entire division over and over, but it really feels like we just played those three teams over and over in particular. Yeah, it, ugh, weird. The less I see of the Islanders, the happier I am in life in general. Oh yeah, 100%. If we could just never, ever, ever see them again, I would be thrilled. Kick them out of the league, Gary. That's all I'm saying, alright? Kick them out of the league. It's simple. I second the motion. The motion passes. <laughs> it has to happen now. Sorry, Mr. Bettman. That is just the way it is. Lou Lamarello will be taking his place in his uh, his prison at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And that's that. That's that. This brings us to everybody's favorite topic on the Flyers right now. The only controversial Flyer, as far as I'm concerned. And that would be one Rasmus Ristolainen. Risto, 
as his friends call him, or as uh, I like to think South Philly calls him, is Randy Risto. They call him that around here. Oh, yeah, Randy Risto. Because they can't <laughs> pronounce foreign names. They just can't do it. <laughs> and my personal favorite nickname for him is the autocorrect in my phone in the Slack the other day, which changed it to Ristorante. That was so funny. I was this close to editing that away, and I'm like, no, Ristorante's hilarious. That needs to stay forever. Yeah, no, that's too good. You can't change that. <laughs> Cannot change it. Absolutely not. Oh, Ristorante's going to be playing with Yandel tonight? <laughs> How about that? Amazing. That's where Keith eats at the Ristorante. <laughs> so Ristolainen was out for the first couple games dealing with, was it a, an upper body injury he was dealing with? Uh, yes. Big old question mark. Probably something to do with his spiky hair. But <laughs> Risto was out. And we finally got to see him in the Boston game. And to say it was mixed results would be being kind. It was not a very good debut for Rasmus Ristolainen in the orange and black. And I know this is a divisive guy. I know a lot of people are very excited about the physicality he can bring and the big hits. He certainly laid a big one. I think it was on Charlie Coyle last night. But... He made some real bonehead moves that led to goals, and you can't make mistakes like that against the Bruins. You just can't. Yeah, he uh, he, he had a real rough game. Like for, I was rewatching it this morning. Well, I was watching it because I I, I saw a movie last night, folks. Okay, occasionally I will skip Flyers games for movies, and uh, it enjoyed a lovely Wes Anderson movie. I, I told you I'd work it in there. Maddie, Perfect. <laughs> the French Dispatch in there, and uh, I, I saw that instead, and I had a good time. But I did DVR the game, watched it through this morning, and greatly enjoyed that. And, man, I guess we can start with the penalty, right, that he took that led to a Bruins power play, which led to a Bruins goal. And that was the physicality, but it felt like completely unnecessary, unnecessary physicality that led to a big penalty. Yeah, it's just like... I, I don't know. I get it's the first game back and you want to be involved and everything, but like, use your brain. Come on, pick your spots. Pick your spots. If you're going to lay a guy out, like pick your spot. You're going to get plenty of opportunity, especially with the Bruins. Yeah. And they were being weird with what calls they were making in that game anyway. Like they were definitely letting some stuff slide. Oh, for sure. They definitely let a lot of stuff slide. It wasn't as bad as the cracking game as far as what they were letting slide because a lot of physicality in that game. We'll get to that. But Ristolainen, you know, so he starts off with that, which is bad. And then the Taylor Hall goal was, I don't know if that was just miscommunication or what, but he was going off the ice early for a line change when Taylor Hall is racing down the other way for a breakaway. and <laughs> It looked real bad. Yeah, it's just like, like you said, it was just a real bonehead play. And it's like, if you're going to dump the puck, try to dump the puck in like that, at least make sure that it works. Don't just immediately bail. Don't immediately bail. You can't do that. You saw Mike Yo uh, just chewing his ear off about it a little bit because he, he should be, because that's just yeah. not what you do there. And to leave your goalie alone on an island against a guy like Taylor Hall is just hugely unfair. Yeah, and like absolutely nothing Jones could have done there. No, that was a killer shot. Just <laughs> like, come on. It's no chance in hell. Yeah. And then the other one, and, and you know, I can chalk that one up to a miscommunication. Maybe he's rusty, just getting back into the flow of things, right? 
I really was pissed off about the Brad Marsh angle because this is the situation where you are paying Ristolainen to be a big net front presence and to clear the crease and lift those sticks. And you can't let, like, Brad Marchand is a fantastic hockey player. He's a rat bastard, and I hate his guts, but he would be an amazing flyer. He's, like, he's just a great hockey player. And, okay, he's going to score a goal, but, like, Ristolainen is there to be a physical presence, and he can't let a guy like Marchand, who's, like, half his size, come in there and just score a goal in the crease. Like, he needs to be lifting that stick. He needs to be pushing him out of the way. And that was just a complete and utter failure on his part. Yeah, totally. And I made this joke in my observations this morning, but, like, Brad Marchand is, like, my size, effectively. Right. Like, if if you cannot move him out of the way, buddy, we are going to have a rough time. It was like he realized he was there way too late and then did a really, like, I don't know what that stick lift attempt was. It was terrible, but I, it sucks because again, like this is the one area where I want him to show up and shine, right? If he's going to do one thing, it's clear that crease, it's keep it open for the goaltender. And he just didn't do it there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's pretty manageable expectations to have just that he's going to be able to do that. And yet it's not really happening yet. No, not really happening, but it's been one game, so I'm I'm willing to give him at least a couple more before I really give him, like, the I hate your guts sentence. Like, I don't hate his guts, but, like, I... This is a guy who's making a lot of money, right, as far as cap hit goes, and a guy who you traded a first and second round pick for. And you can't forget Robert Haig, of course, you know, Robert Haig, very valuable. But he's a guy that you paid a pretty hefty price to acquire, big expectations. So we are going to be watching him with a pretty big spotlight. Like, we're going to also be watching Ryan Ellis with a big spotlight, but Ryan Ellis has looked fantastic. Yeah, it's like, I think at a certain point you can strip away all of that context. But here, at least to start off, like, it is still important and it's uh there's there are certainly some expectations here oh yeah big time expectations i i'd really like to see him step it up in this next game it's a big game against the panthers i mean you've got Barkoff, you've got huberdo these are guys who are excellent hockey players and they will take advantage of any weakness in the defense so i i'm really hoping to see a nice bounce back for him there yeah it's uh that's gonna be a tough one are the panthers still undefeated uh, 4-0 is uh, the standings I'm looking at, and I don't think they are active to... Oh, they did. They beat the Avalanche 4-1. to Wow. Who are a good hockey team. So that's, Oh, boy. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one, but who knows? I mean, the Flyers have been looking good so far, and uh, maybe it's just a powerhouse matchup. We'll see. Wishful thinking, I know. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Blue Jackets beat the Islanders. How about that? Oh, wow. Love to see it. I do love to see that. The Islanders are off to a bit of a rough start here, and I don't feel bad about that in the slightest. Absolutely none. So last note on Ristolainen. It's it's a little, like, it's also just a little difficult to swallow right now when, like, Buffalo Sabres fans are making jokes about the Flyers acquisition because the Sabres have started off 3-0 and look way better without Ristolainen. But you also have to remember Eichel's not in there either, and he's their best player, so it's interesting that they're missing a couple guys and all of a sudden look cohesive. Yeah, I mean, their coach is good from what I've heard, and they're, they've got a full season now under him, or they're starting a full season under him. But yeah, 
I do kind of think the, the wheels are going to come off there eventually. Because, I mean, we've seen the Sabres do this before. They get off to a hot start and then they fall apart in, like, December. But it's it's interesting up there. It is interesting up there. And, yeah, that's, that's very Sabres-esque to get off to that hot start and just completely fall apart. We'll see what happens. Ristolainen, again, I don't want to bury the guy yet. He's he's just starting. He's probably rusty coming off the injury, blah, 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 excuses. Look, he's played one game. You can't really judge a guy based on one game. Hopefully he bounces back, but, you know, we are skeptical, and we can remain skeptical. Let's get into these games, however. Let's start with the opener, a nice home opener for the first time in, what was it, three years, four years, something like that? Longer? Um, I have no idea, to be completely honest with you. It had been a long Whatever time. Whatever you say, I would agree. <laughs> it had been a very long time since the Flyers had had a home opener, so they, they opened up their season against the Vancouver Canucks. I went down and tailgated, foolishly did not go to the game, and paid for it in kind because I went, I went to go watch it at a bar with my friend, and while waiting for my friend, I accidentally stepped in... You know when you're in Center City, Philadelphia, and they have those, like, tree divots, right? Where the, like, you know, they dig, like, a little area in the concrete to put trees down? Oh, yeah. I tripped right over one of those, smashed my phone screen up, scraped up my knee, but at least I was across the street from a Walgreens when I did it. Not great. Kind of a mixed bag. Not great. Not great. Did enjoy watching the game with my friend, but I should have taken the ticket and gone to the game is the the ultimate lesson. But uh, regardless, you know, had a good time watching it. Although when I did leave that bar, it was not a uh, a check the vaccine at the door kind of bar. And uh, I was taking my mask on and off and some drunk dickhead was trying to give me shit about it. So I, I, I kind of just waved the guy off. I was like, OK, you're a loser. Please leave me alone. One of my buddies, though, gave him. Gave him some shit about it because we, we left the bar and we waited a few minutes and we're like, where, what happened to that guy? Where did he go? What happened to Justin? And then we looked in and, oh, he was giving that guy a bunch of shit for giving me shit. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Thanks, pal. Uh, it, it, the lesson ultimately is please do not be a dickhead if people want to take precautions to keep themselves safe from a pandemic. Thank you. Yep. Co-signed. And let's again extend that to the Flyers staff, right? The, the people who are manning these games, who are doing all the work for you as you're trying to enjoy your hockey game. Please be kind to these people. They are just doing their jobs. If anybody asks you to put on a mask or anything like that, please comply. Just be kind. It, they are not getting paid enough to put up with your shit. Yeah, 100%. And like, as a person who has to enforce a mask policy at my day job... Uh, be nice. We are just trying to like keep our jobs, keep our livelihoods. Got to enforce the policy to keep our jobs. So like, be kind. We're all doing our best here. We're all doing our best. Be kind and just, please just stop being a dick. That's all. That's all we're asking. <sighs> but that was fun. And then some drunk guy saw me in my Flyers gear and he's like, "Oh yeah, the Flyers started up. The song goes, fly, Flyers, fly." At the hockey game. I was like, yep, that's the song, buddy. You got it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, shit show. Center City, Philadelphia. But it, it was nice to have the Flyers back in the Wells Fargo Center to start the season. Maddie, you were in the building. How would you say the atmosphere was for that game? It was, it was good. It was loud. It, yeah, it was just like really 
nice to be back. And I know we had been sort of inching towards it up until that point. I mean, there were some fans in the building last season and some more during preseason, but then it's, you know, it's, it's preseason, but to, to have it back in almost normal was kind of sweet. It was, it was great. It seemed really cool. Like It seemed like everybody was up and having a great time. I know the Flyers went down in that game after just a horrific second period. Just absolutely abysmal. It seemed like everything that could have gone wrong in that second period did go wrong. And it really felt like a, oh, same old Flyers, huh? Am I right? But despite the fact that they had some of the flukiest goals I've ever seen, like the one that bounced off the boards, off Carter Hart's pad, and into the net, which I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. <laughs> yeah, that was a... Uh, defies logic. Defies logic. Didn't... I still don't understand it, but despite that kind of stuff, the Flyers did find a way to claw back into this game and tie it up and, and get to overtime, which... I know a lot of people decry the loser point, but as long as the loser point exists, as long as you get to overtime, that's a minor victory in my in my book because that point counts towards the end of the year and it could be very big in this tight division. Yeah, I will certainly take it. And to see that fight in the team in the first game, to see them not just lay down and die like we saw them so many times in the Hackstall era, just lay down and die when they were down like that. To see them have that fight and come back and tie that game up was great. I mean, Travis Konechny had a huge goal, and then Claude Giroux's tying goal was just mwah, chef's kiss. Just a, a beautiful push by the Flyers to tie that game up. Yeah, that was really great. And I think the biggest uh, kind of positive takeaway for me was how well Carter Hart responded after a couple of not stellar goals in the second um he really tightened up through the third period in overtime and i think that was so so important to see uh after how rough last season obviously was for him um and even after the game talking he didn't seem rattled or anything didn't seem too down on himself it was just sort of like yeah you know it could have been better but we're gonna do better next time we'll be fine I felt so bad for Carter Hart last season after everything he was going through. But at the same time, you know, when you're looking at a professional athlete, you do expect them, even though it, it doesn't make any sense for, for the human brain to do this, you expect them to just be made of tougher stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's not fair at all, but that's still the expectation. So to see him bounce back was so great and tighten things up. And I also to see the defense tighten things up. I mean, they had just as rough a time in the second period as Carter Hart. I think one of those goals was absolutely his fault that he should have stopped. It was uh, the wrist shot from the circle. That was 100% a should have stopped. But I mean, you had the fluke one that bounced off the boards. And then you had the one that was in his pads that Travis Sanheim couldn't quite go one way or the other with that got poked in. It's just a lot of just a lot of things went bad and wrong. So to see this team not give up anymore... And again, getting a position to get a point out of that game was great. Yeah, it's uh wasn't wasn't a perfect game, but definitely not the worst way to sort of start the season. So that brings us to the game that really got everybody pumped about the orange and black and got people excited about the Flyers again, and that's the Kraken game. Six to one win, just a a beatdown like I haven't seen from the Flyers in a long time. 
it was awesome. Oh, it was so good. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit nervous about it. Not for any particular reason, just because uh, everything is cursed and like how embarrassing would it be for them to just get absolutely walloped by Dave Haxtell's new team? Oh, it, I 100% was sharing that opinion with you, that dread, because it felt like something that should happen. The quotes out of the Kraken's camp was that they wanted to win this for Dave. It was a big game for Dave. And it just felt like something that was going to happen. It felt like it was written in the stars and the flyers just came out on fire. And well, it's funny because there was that period, right? That period of time where it felt like the Kraken were going to just like blow the flyers away. They were putting in a lot of offensive pressure. They were really taking it to the flyers and then Carter Hart makes what is already one of the saves of the year. Yeah, it was the first like nine, ten minutes were definitely a little rough. And they were I think that was the one they were really struggling on their breakouts. And it was just like looking very ugly for a bit there. But credit to Carter Hart bouncing right back. And that was oh, my God, that was just so, so good. Just a stunning glove save on the ice level with a wide open net. Just the thing that you want to see from Carter Hart that lets you know he's back. And the Flyers took that and they rallied. From there, they just dominated the game. Like, I don't know if there was another period, besides when the Kraken scored a goal, that the Flyers really let up. No, I'm pretty much for the rest of the, the game, it really looked like Kraken had nothing, pretty much. Like, the Flyers were not giving them a whole lot. And that was uh, really nice was really nice and then the, you know so Claude Giroux leads the way and it's funny that Konechny and Giroux ended the previous game and then Giroux and Konechny started the scoring in this game it's a little poetic there I like that but it, continuity baby that's what the Flyers are all about is continuity right there I liked how that happened and I like that Claude Giroux led the way it feels like he's shooting a little bit more and I, I joked I actually called into Bill's post game the other day to ask him uh just how much of an effect getting rid of Jake Voracek's had on Claude Giroux shooting the puck bore <laughs> which is obviously a joke but like G does you know it does feel like he shot a little bit more to start this season it might be the Cam Atkinson effect frankly yeah it could be I mean whatever it is let's let's keep that rolling yeah, let's keep that rolling. It's, in some ways, and I don't want to talk too much about leadership and locker room stuff and everything, because I'm not in there and I don't really know this stuff, but in some ways it does feel like Claude Giroux needed some some positive veteran leadership to come in and help him. And we certainly saw that a lot with, with Kevin Hayes when he came in. And now they've brought in all of Kevin Hayes' best friends, and they're also doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely the writing that was on the wall with all of these off season acquisitions. It's just, they, the flyers felt like they needed a, a kind of leadership boost on top of, you know, filling their actual hockey needs. Yeah. I mean, it's been working out great, but it, that was a, a pretty clear, pretty clear. Yeah. So Giroux, Konechny, Broussard scores in that game. Ryan Ellis scores in that game. Justin Braun scored in that game. Justin Braun scored a goal. That was so good. Uh, can we talk about real quick the setup that pass from Broussard to Ellis on his goal? Because that was so good. It was so good. The vision that these guys are showing with some of these passes are outstanding. And again, it's all new guys right there. Broussard, Ellis, like new guys instantly connecting. 
and instantly making just tremendous goals. Who would have thought? I wouldn't have thought. Like, I really thought it was going to take a couple weeks for this team to really start to gel and find their identity. And it seems like these guys have known each other forever already. Yeah. I I don't know what magic is happening here, but more of it. It's in Ryan Ellis's beard. There's definitely some magic in there because it is just such a perfect beard. You know what? You might be onto something here. It's a perfect beard. I can't stop praising it. I will praise Ryan Ellis's beard every week for the remaining time that he is a flyer. As you should. Which is hopefully a good long time. I'm I'm just I love him so far. I love him. He's great. Uh, only cracking <laughs> goal was by Carson Susie, the the saucy boy, the saucy boy there. But uh, and I really was expecting Tanev and McCann to just pull up their old Penguins ways in this game and just like score multiple you know like both have hat tricks against the flyers there Ooh, yeah that would have that would have felt right like tanov is already a fan favorite there yeah it's just looking freaked out and like looking like you've seen a ghost it's just it endears people to you (laughs) did you see oh my god was it the chicago steel the 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 ushl team did all of their headshots with the the spooked face Oh my god, I didn't see that, and I need to look that up, because that's awesome. I think it was them. It was def- It was like a junior team for sure, but it was very, very funny. I love that. That's a great idea. So I, I, Tanev is a guy I actually like that's not a flyer, and I'm really glad he's not a penguin. Actually, I like McCann too. I'm glad he's not a penguin anymore either. Free them. They're free. They're away. Unfortunately, that's play for the Kraken, but they'll they'll find their way. It's fine. They're they're supposed to do as well as the Flyers, apparently. So that's that's what they got going for them. <laughs> One of the things about this game that I think also rallied it certainly rallied old school fans of the Flyers was the the fights in this game. Let's talk about Nick Sealer versus Jamie Alexiak because number one, who the hell knew who Nick Sealer was before this game? We both follow this team very closely and you know you cover the team pretty extensively and i talk about them every week so i barely knew who nick sealer was uh yep <laughs> exactly yep that's all you could say nick sealer in a fill-in role while rasmus ristolainen was out decides you know what i'm gonna make a mark on things i'm gonna take on jamie alexiak who didn't they say at the seattle kraken expansion draft that he's the heaviest player in the league oh yeah they brought that up like enough that you could probably make it into a drinking game (laughs) definitely but sailor decides i'm gonna take on this big mountainous son of a gun and he held his own like he got punched a lot but and he came out very red but he was fired up the crowd was fired up he pushed a ref out of the way to fight jamie alexiak yeah that was that was very metal it was very metal extremely metal and i I did the cat the this is Philadelphia! Like, this is Sparta caption on that after the fight when I took a screenshot of him. Like, it's all, it's like an iconic picture for the season already, and we're three games in. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Nick Sailor. You're never going to hear of him again, but this one night, this one shining night, he showed up and he had a great fight. Good for him. Good for him. And then the other fight on the ticket that night was Nate Thompson against Nathan Bastion, who... Nathan Bastion decided to get in Claude Giroux's face, which Claude Giroux kind of just laughed off earlier in the night. And much like my buddy giving shit to the guy who gave me shit about the mask, 
after the first game, Nate Thompson took it upon him to give Nathan Bastion shit for giving his captain shit. Oh, yeah. And also, related, I I think I would like to take back every mean thing I may have ever said, thought, vaguely conceptualized about Nate Thompson, like, for my own safety after seeing that fight. I didn't know he had it in him. I had no yeah. idea. I thought I thought he was just a guy who had, like, he was missing a few teeth in a hockey sense, and he could grow a good beard, and that was pretty much it. And he had a good flow. Like, he looked like a hockey player, right? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like, he played <laughs> decent defense, and he looked like a hockey player. Nate Thompson got hands. <laughs> oh, baby. He beat the shit out of Nathan Bastion. It was, it was brutal. But not brutal where I'm like, oh, I can't watch that. Like, it was just, like, good hockey fight beatdown. Yeah, that was, like, very much activating the lizard brain. It was activating the lizard brain. I always call it the, the caveman part of me gets really excited when I see this. Like, yeah, yeah, beat him up. And, like, <laughs> we, we were all that little, not little old lady, I think she was a middle-aged lady, but that lady who got really psyched right next to him behind the glass who was, like, going, like, yeah, she was, like, shaking her fist, like, yeah, beat him up! <laughs> that lady was awesome. Absolutely iconic. Iconic. It was It's the icons all over that game. But, like, that's the stuff that people love to see after last season. Because last season, people were pissed off. Oscar Lindblom's got a fight, right? Like, nobody liked that. Nobody at all. So, to see guys like Nate Thompson pick it up, like Nick Sealer, that's really big. And this team feels like it is rallying around its leaders, and they're just gelling already. Like, it's cool. Yeah, and... I think what really, really stood out to me is something Jeru said after the game is that they're not really trying to be like a tough team. You know, they're not trying to go out and just bully everybody and pick fights for the hell of it, you know, but they're they're going to stand up for themselves and they're going to have each other's backs. And that's really the focus this season. It's big. It makes a difference. And, you know, you could argue that a lot of teams have uh, run and turned and gotten scared because of Tom Wilson in Washington. And that might be part of the factor, but it just felt like the Flyers were getting beat up by even just the Islanders. Yeah. And it's like, I think this is a sort of nice prove it moment for you don't need like one goon on your team who's just going to run around and do nonsense. It's like, if there's a sort of collective emphasis on we're just going to stand up for each other and we're not going to get pushed around. That's enough. Right. That's enough. That's what you need. You need guys to rally around each other and the toughness and you don't need goons. Like you don't need the Rangers brought in Ryan Reeves. And I know that excites like the hockey fights crowd, but Ryan Reeves isn't a very good hockey player and say what you will about Nate Thompson. If Nate Thompson can throw down like this and play pretty good defense and, you know, play center pretty effectively, I would much rather have that than the Ryan Reeves. Gotta agree there. Well, good signs through three games right now. I think we talked a decent amount about the Boston game. Don't really need to bring that one up again, unless you had any other points you wanted to add to that one. Uh, nope, not really. I feel like that was just a, a big, great win for this team. And, like, if the Kraken really put the Flyers, like, back on the map for a lot of people... I feel like the Boston Bruins win really legitimized this team as an actual good team and not a projected to finish in dead last somehow by inexplicable statistics. Yeah, it's like kind of checking all the boxes there. Beating up on a pretty good team, 
just looking good in your own right and on a national TV game, no less. On a national TV game, and I don't want to talk about this too much this week because we have a lot to cover, but I just wanted to say, I know TNT had a really rough debut in the preseason, but it was the preseason. I really, between TNT and ESPN, I'm really enjoying the coverage a lot this year. I feel like it is like heads and tails above where NBC Sports Network was. Yeah, definitely agree. One of the cool things that they had in the game that I really noticed when I was watching it through again this morning was the the power play clock that they projected onto the ice. Like, that's a really cool little detail. It's non-obtrusive, and you get to watch the action, but also realize how much time is still left in the power play. Oh, that's neat. It was really neat. Like, they do stuff like that. I think the the set pieces on the intermission are really cool. Like, I think it look it's a cool looking set. Like, it obviously takes a lot of inspiration from their NBA sets, and it just looks way more modern and new. And like, there's they're having fun. They're doing all sorts of crazy crap. I thought Gretzky was really good and like actually breaking down the game in ways that. Uh, certainly like Milbury and Jeremy Roenick weren't doing where I'm just like, oh, I got to toughen up and play hockey. Like I did Mike Milbury noted hockey player and GM and coach, which I didn't suck at all of those. I was a little bit, I don't know about nervous might be a little too strong, but uh, a little apprehensive just about how Gretzky was going to work on an intermission panel. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was just going to come in and be like noted hockey player, but it's nice to hear that he's actually contributing some insightful stuff. Yeah, I I hear you there, because, I mean, most of the time, big-name players don't really work out as coaches, right? Because, like, the games always come easy to them. But I actually found myself really liking a lot of the insight he was bringing, actually breaking down, like, what kind of plays they should be doing. Like, he was talking about, like, uh, defensemen not shooting more from the middle when they have the opportunity. And I think Paul Bissonette was saying something like, well, you know, you said Paul Coffey did that, but not a lot of guys can skate like Paul Coffey. And Gretzky came back and said, Ryan Ellis can. <laughs> Which I love that on two levels, because I love comparing our top defenseman to Paul Coffey, who's one of the great offensive defensemen. But also just, I, I like the back and forth. It feels like there's more banter and they're having more fun with it in general and they're just it's more interactive and creative and uh it's just a cleaner presentation so so far so good on the new television coverage and i really hope they continue to experiment with angles and and the presentation of the game because it's it's long overdue yeah it's been good i actually kind of wish i had gotten to see the the broadcast for that one well you'll get to see plenty of games at 10 p.m next week when the flyers are on the west coast Yay! Oh my god. Like, already, just right into Flyers After Dark. At least we weren't, you know, we're not immediately leading off with it, because that's brutal. You should never start East Coast teams on West Coast time. You just shouldn't do it. Oh, it's just mean. It is mean, because people are excited. They want to watch their team, and it's like, oh no, I have to stay up until 10pm? Or No, I have to stay up until 10 just to watch the game, and then to watch the full game, I have to stay up till 1? Great. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, no more of that. No more of that. <laughs> At least this season started off with a nice long homestand, and hopefully the Flyers finish it strong on Saturday. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Now, I wanted to talk really quick about two guys that have started pretty hot this season that 
I think are really key to the Flyers' immediate success and obviously future success, and that's Joel Farabee and Travis Konechny. Now, Farabee last year was fantastic. No complaints about him. Konechny had a very slow start and then was not very noticeable. He did put up points ultimately, but not in a noticeable way. And I think you've seen the best of both of these guys to start this season. Yeah, I... Connecting has been a little bit weird for me to start the season where the results have been pretty good, but shift to shift just in game, I haven't found him to be super, super consistent. It's early in the season, so I'm not super bothered by it, but I do think there's another gear there that he can kick up into. Yeah, I just I just like that he's shit talking again. Like, I felt like yeah. he stopped doing that last year. I, I felt like the motor mouth kind of went away last year. Yeah, it's uh, it's back, baby. It's back big time. He's. I think it's having Keith Yandel there, right? They're just motor mouthing all over the place. <laughs> but TK uh, putting up numbers so far. He's got three goals, one assist, four points. And I, he really feels like a guy who was big time affected by COVID. Like if you look at, at guys who were affected by, by COVID and the pandemic last year, it felt like Travis Konechny, Carter Hart were your two big suspects on this team and a big reason why this team didn't succeed last year. It's hard to be really worked up about that, but it, yeah, he definitely did seem to be one of the the ones more hindered by it. Oh, there were people that got worked up. I wasn't, but people got pissed off and it's like, well, you got to have some sympathy because they're still human beings going through extraordinary circumstances. And, you know, it's, it's hard to have empathy when people are making millions of dollars, I know, but you should have some empathy if you can. But Regardless, I think we're all happy to see TK back to normal. At least that's how it looks right now. And then, I mean, what can you say about Farabee besides the fact that he was great last year and he looks great, even better, to start this season? He's perfect, folks. (laughs) I love it. Six points, three goals, three assists. He's on, I think, the hottest line for the Flyers right now. The most impressive play for me in that Boston game was not even one where he scored. Was he had a shorthanded opportunity, uh, two-on-one, and he just made this great play to like pull the puck back, uh, get around the defender, and take a shot, and almost scored. Oh my god, that was so good. Absolutely sick move. I mean, Joel Farabee looks like he's hitting that other gear, and... I mean, he was a steal in the draft already. Like, I think we already felt like he was a bit of a steal. And he's feeling like a big-time steal right now for the Flyers. Yeah, yeah. Again, this feels weird that they actually pulled off some kind of steal in the draft, at least early on. And it's pretty nice. Farabee and Konechny, really, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of them to start early the season. All the new guys look fantastic. And I I guess I'll give a stick tap to Claude Giroux while we're at it, just because Claude Giroux doing Claude Giroux stuff. It's it's hard to really <laughs> overstate or I, I don't know. Like, I feel like we talk about Claude Giroux all the time because we love Claude Giroux. We recognize how good he is, but I mean, let's put the spotlight on some of the other guys because I feel like Claude's just so consistently good. Couturier is so consistently good. It's nice to see other guys kind of lifting the load and, and doing that stuff. Not that they're not doing it, but I don't know. A bunch of guys are doing great and it's awesome. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. And what made you feel more alive than hearing the new goal song a whole, what was it, 20 times over the past? How many goals was it again? They scored uh, uh, 16 times. So you heard the new goal song 16 times over the past week. How, how is it growing on you, Maddie? How are you liking it? I, I still don't have a single feeling about it, to be completely <laughs> honest. 
I can kind of see why the Flyers picked it because I don't think the fans picked it for a second. I think that I think that vote was completely fraudulent. The Flyers need to show me the numbers. I won't believe it until mm-hmm. I see the numbers. But I, 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 it's not for me. I'll just say that much. It's not my style. It's not my vibe. But I can see why the Flyers picked it. It's you know, it's fun. It's just it's not for me. Yeah, I I, I don't even know what I would have preferred instead of it. But, I didn't like any of yeah, the final three. Yeah. <laughs> like any of them. <laughs> it was going to be not great no matter what. No, the final three were just terrible choices, and let's never speak of them again, except we have to hear one of the, Probably the one that nobody expected out of the final three for at least the remainder of the season. So it's it's not my style, but, you know, it sounds like something I goofily drunk dance to. <laughs> ah, good times right there. Well... I think this is time to drop a little bit, a little bit of programming announcement on everybody right here. So I don't know yet if this is going to be a fly perbole bit or if this is going to be a show in and of itself. I'm thinking a show in and of itself, but we'll we'll see how it goes out. But here to happily announce that we will be doing some more Phantoms bits with wonderful Madeline here, and we'll be doing. I'm calling this the Phantoms Fix right now. Don't know if I'm spelling that with an F or a PH, but uh, Phantoms Fix, we're going to be doing this once or twice a month. Little uh, Phantoms Update podcast, just talk about the Phantoms and get some more Phantoms news in everybody's life. Very exciting stuff. I love it because I love talking about the young guys. I think we've got some really exciting young guys. I mean, Cam York, obviously, is a big name. Tyson Forster is a huge name right now. Morgan Frost, who... If we want to talk about Morgan Frost real quick, he's off to uh, an interesting start with Ian LaPerriere, the new head coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms so far. Yeah, uh, that's that's been interesting for those who didn't see uh, when they played on, oh my god, Sunday, Saturday. Again, I'm losing track of my days here. LaPerriere didn't love Frost's game in general, and like, I get it. He was, like, not bad, but not stellar. Benched him for much of the third period, and when they had a chance with a six-on-three right at the end of the third to try and tie the game up and force overtime, uh, Frost was on the bench. Ooh, don't love that. No, and it's it's tough because I get sort of where LaPerriere is coming from there if he's the brand new coach and preaching about how he's going to be holding players accountable. And if you're not having a good game or executing the system in the way that he wants you to be, uh, you're going to sit. And that means, you know, that extends to uh, the organization's top prospects too. I get why you wouldn't want to immediately cave on that, but also like you're trying to win a game here and does trying to teach one single player a lesson outweigh trying to win a game. I don't love it either, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, I think. It's a rough start to your relationship with uh, the Flyers. I would argue the Flyers' top prospect right now. I mean, I think it's between Frost and York, but you can't argue that Frost is certainly one of the top three prospects on this team and the guy who's closest to NHL ready, a guy who a lot of people really wanted to make the team out of camp and weren't happy with the decision making. I mean, it looks like Chuck might have made the right decision because the team looks good so far. 
and, and you know, Frost didn't have the greatest camp. Where where do you come down on if he should have gone back to Lehigh Valley or if he should have gone to the Flyers to start the season? I mean, I wanted him on the Flyers to start the season, to be completely honest. I mean, now it's, we can sort of hindsight bias that to death with how good Broussard's looking in this second line center role. But I I think Frost was ready. I think he would have been fine if he had started the season in the NHL. But I don't know. I don't hate sending him back to get him a couple more games, kind of get his timing back and everything, because he did just miss so much time with, you know, COVID and then the injury. I don't know. I I hope he's back up soon, though, because I don't know how much more he's going to gain from an extended stay in the AHL at this point. Do you think that any of his, and this is purely speculation, of course, but do you think any of his issues with Lappy so far and maybe his play come from disappointment about not making the NHL team, or is it just, you know, kind of growing pains there? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I... He's not really, like, a grumpy player. He's no Ben Simmons. Yeah, he's not, like, a malcontent or anything. So it would be hard for me to imagine that he's just down there sulking and that's affecting his play. I think he just didn't didn't really have it in that game. I mean, it, it probably looks good right now that he's, you know, figuring out some of the kinks because I don't know if he is NHL ready in his current shape after coming back from the injury and everything. So it, it might be for the best, but I, I'm really hoping they can iron things out because you never like to see that kind of friction with the player and a coach, especially to just start the relationship and start the season. Yeah, and it's it's weird too because, I mean, after rookie camp, Perrier had really, really good things to say about Frost and just how high on him he is. But, I mean, he wants to push him, I guess, and is trying to make sure that he's the most well-rounded and best player that he can be before he gets sent back up but we'll see it's gonna be an interesting one to follow and through two phantoms games right now any anything you'd like to call out anybody stand out to you so far the team in general has looked a little rough and i mean i guess that's gonna happen new coach new system everybody's trying to get settled in but they've looked pretty sloppy (laughs) to be completely honest well and especially a, a new coach that has never being a head coach before yeah yeah it's uh it's gonna be interesting for sure but cam york has looked good especially on their power play which has been a lot of fun uh weirdly they have him on the second unit with like frost and forster and that's the unit that's actually been looking good i i will (laughs) quibble about that later but um they've been looking good i've been sneaky liking Rubsov's start to the season too. I think he's looked pretty sharp, very involved in the game oh, so far. So, oh, we got a mention. Oh, baby, hell yeah! All right, the germ looking good. I love it. All right, anybody else sticking out right now? Oh, germ, I'm pumped up now. Those are the big ones, I think. But I think Zamola's probably going to be back this weekend so uh we'll see how he looks that's exciting zamola is definitely one of the more intriguing guys at that level right now because you know york is certainly obviously like your number one defensive prospect by a mile but zamola's like 
he's definitely the number two guy as far as intrigue goes. And he's somebody that I feel like if things go poorly with certain players at the NHL level, you actually might be more likely to even seize the Mola up over York, depending on, you know, which side of the defense where things go poorly with certain guys. Yeah, it's um definitely possible. I think he's definitely further away from NHL readiness, just purely on, I don't know, he's got some some things to iron out in his game a little bit. I think York is a bit more polished, especially just coming from college. Oh, for sure. I thought York looked so good last year in his, his limited play. Can York play the right side? They had him on the right for like a game last oh. season with the Phantoms. Let's get some more of that practice in. Let's get it in there. Let's do it. I'm optimistic about this unnamed player that I'm saying could come out of the lineup. I'm optimistic about him, but just in case. Totally unnamed. (laughs) Nobody knows who Vanilla Ice is. What? No, I didn't say that. (laughs) We're having fun with this guy already, man. Randy. South Philly Randy. Just not getting a break over here. (sighs) Well, I'm... I'm hoping the Phantoms can get it together. I want Lappy to succeed. I was skeptical about the hire big time, but I I do want him to succeed. We've always heard Lappy's a great guy whenever we've criticized his coaching. So hopefully that is enough. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping they can right the ship here. Uh, It's still so early. I'm trying not to be too bothered just yet, but we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Going to be real interesting with our Lehigh Valley Phantoms this season. But again, keep an eye out for future Phantoms podcasts with me and Maddie. Gonna be a good time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Last note of the night. I wanted to mention this. I said, I'm not on TikTok, as I, I've mentioned before. I'm too old for TikTok. No, I'm, I'm sure I could join. I'm just, it's, I have so much attention span in a given day. It's hard to devote myself. It's hard to get started up and commit myself to a new social media, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Definitely. It feels like a commitment that I just can't make. But because of the Slack and because of Twitter, I found out about Does Noodles Have Bones Today? Which, if you're not familiar with Does Noodles Have Bones, is uh, Noodles is a very old pug that this guy will lift up, and if Noodles stands on his own, then he has bones, and it's going to be a good day. And if Noodles just falls back down into his bed, then Noodles does not have bones, so you should just stay in bed and not do anything. It's basically Groundhog Day, but every day with a an old pug. What more could you want? It's great content. <laughs> what more could you want? It's premium tangy tent right there, but I, I, I had two notes on this. So, number one, I as someone who occasionally takes care of of an old dog. We have uh, Frankie, who's this uh, wonderful, surly, 11-year-old French bulldog. He's he's only slightly surly. He's more just stubborn sometimes. But Frankie definitely has bones. He, he runs around plenty. He actually runs, which is great. And he might be 77 in dog years, but he's doing great. Couldn't be doing better. Amazing. He's doing great. He's doing great. He couldn't be doing better. But, you know, I can relate to to the old dog and if he wants to do something on a given day. But I will say Frankie's never had a problem standing because he just he loves walks more than anything. (laughs) He's a legend in your neighborhood. He is. They call him the king of the block. He doesn't even stay here that often. (laughs) He, He actually loves South Philly because 
when he's at his home in the burbs, he, you know, everybody's got those big trash cans, right? The giant trash bins. So he doesn't get to smell trash. So when he's in South Philly, he gets to smell trash everywhere on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> and he loves it. He tries to pee on every piece of trash. And I, I try to keep him away, garbage men. All right. If there's any garbage Garys listening to this, all right. I, I try to keep him away. I don't want to make your job any stinkier than it already is. But sometimes, sometimes I don't catch Frankie in time. He's low-key stealthy like that. Like, he can just... I, I turn my head for one second. Uh, he's lifting that leg. He's going to town. So, and it's also... I think my attention tends to be more, oh, he's not eating a gross old chicken wing that was on the street, right? <laughs> Listen, you can only do so many things at once. Dogs are the most intelligent, majestic creatures on this planet. They love trash and eating random shit from the street. <laughs> Love Frankie. He's the man, but he is also an old dog. You know, not quite Noodles old, but almost there. But, you know, I found Noodles fun. Not fun enough for me to join TikTok. It still still hasn't happened, but maybe someday. Perhaps I'll devote my attention someday. Yeah. I should also note the uh, the Flyers are undefeated on Bones Days. Is that right? It is right. Do with that what you will. All right. Okay. Well, then maybe I'm going to start celebrating the Bones Days as, uh, you know, official Flyers Days. Bones and Flyers. Noodles and Flyers are a winning combo. Sounds stellar to me. And because I'm old, when I hear a Bones Day, I just think of the Alice in Chains song, Them Bones. But, you know, there's probably five people listening to this that'll that'll get that. Yeah, that that, that went over my head, unfortunately. I figured, I figured, you know. I'm, I, again... <laughs> I am one of the the elders on Broad Street Hockey, and I don't expect most of my references to get picked up. (laughs) Big old pile of them bones. All right, well, Noodles, you know, Noodles, you're an inspiration, and hopefully the Flyers keep winning on Bones Days. Well, every day, but especially the Bones Days. Hopefully we can have a correlation there, and then we can drop Noodles onto his bed instead of an opening puck one night. It's a puck-shaped bed. Perfect. Love it. Folks, that's all the old dog talk we've got for you tonight, and it was plenty. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. You can reach Maddie at underscore Madeline Campbell. What's it missing, Maddie? No E. No underscore on Twitter. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's my Instagram. That's your Instagram. So no E? It's just Madeline Campbell Sorry. with no E That's on it. Twitter, yeah. It's not enough characters for that one. Twitter struggle is so with good. it every time. You know, it's just like, it's so close, yet so far. <laughs> you can follow me at Estebaum or at Flyperbole, but if it's for hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Make sure to check out all of our great podcast offerings. You've got Bill Matz's post game, where occasionally I'll call in... Sounding all out of breath for no reason. I don't know what was happening that night. Bad allergies. And have stupid questions for Bill and throw Bill off. Wow. How about that? I don't know if that's ever going to happen again, but I was feeling mischievous that night after the the cracking game. (laughs) And then, of course, we got checking out the competition. Kelly working so hard to get those guests and put out those checking out the competitions. Always does a tremendous job. BSH Radio, of course, is fantastic. Check out all of those great podcasts. Flyers Forecast comes out every week usually monday or tuesday check that out you can hear me talk for a whole 10 minutes to 20 minutes about who the flyers are going to play in a given week oh wow folks 
Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. <laughs>